Wow, that uh, song provokes a lot of emotion. Um, and when you are next to someone like James Smith that's finishing his journey, and you know he's stepping across to an incredible, incredible experience, it just provokes a longing inside of me not to die, but to have him return, to have Jesus come back, to usher us into that place where, for all practical reasons, the world around us is just burdened, isn't it, with um, sin, with just awful things going on around us, and, and death is just an unwelcomed intruder into our lives. No matter how much we know it's a part of life, um, and, and look at Scotty Fulcher, 58, when he went to be with the Lord, and, and there was Brother Smith at 96, and just one lives such a full life, and the other just seems to have left too, way too early. We don't, we don't understand all of that, but for us, we have hope that takes us past the tears, past our heartbreak past the whole idea of not having that person around it just kind of makes me long for my dad and my mom again when I when I see families go through this it just reminds me of that journey that many of us in this room have went through and uh, even so come Lord Jesus uh, well this morning is kind of a split service I'm preaching this morning the high voltage are taking over the 11 a.m. service, so they'll be in charge there. They're, they're all excited about that. I'm excited about it. You need to, if you're going to be here for the second service, you need to take the break to kind of loosen up your arms and do some squats and get ready because it's going to be high energy. Um, by the way, congrats to our JBQ team finishing second. I think they'll be saying more of that in uh, the following service. Great. Uh, if you've never, you ought to just try to tag along with one of these JBQ meets and watch that. It is amazing how good these kids are with the Word of God and how quick they are. We got suckered into years ago, the staff, uh, you know, that was a way, way back. And uh, we got suckered into doing a demo with the JBQ team, and they smoked us. You know, and they were rubbing it in, too. So I've never accepted that kind of challenge ever again. They're way too quick. I've titled this morning's message, um, Test Me. And it comes from Malachi 3.10. And it's uh, one of the more unusual challenges that God gives his people, the people of Israel. And, uh, but we'll get, begin reading with Malachi Three verse six. So if you'll turn there, uh, there'll probably be the text on the screen. But um, I want you to follow this with me. This is the last book of the Old Testament, even in the English version of the Old Testament. The uh, in the Hebrew Bible, Chronicles is the last book. But uh, here it is, Malachi chapter three verse six. Follow this with me, reading out of the NIV. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. 
Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? Well, will a, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And here's this challenge. Test me in this, God says. Says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 10 is an unusual challenge. When God speaks through Malachi, through Malachi's prophetic pen, in a conversation that God kind of constructs a conversation with them, he knows what they're going to ask the question before they ask it. So he just asks it for them. Do you see that? But he says, test me. Because the Lord Yahweh, the covenant-keeping God, does not change. This is how this section starts. He does not change. And that is why the people are not destroyed. Isn't that interesting that he says, because I don't change, you're still in existence. And how is that? Because he's a covenant-keeping God, and he made a covenant with Abraham, and that he would always have a remnant of Abraham. No matter how much it would shrink to a remnant, he said, I will always have a remnant of people. I will not destroy Israel entirely. He will judge them at times and cost them lives at times, just like what Brad mentioned, that three-day plague that, that David says, don't let me fall into the hands of my enemies. I'd rather fall into the hands of God. And he chose the three days of plague. And there was people destroyed, people that had not committed wrong. David had committed the wrong. But God's judgment many times cost Israel many lives. But he says, it is because I do not change, you are still in existence, and I still have a purpose for you. Secondly, the Lord accuses the people of generational failure to keep the decrees, the commandments, the statutes, he said, ever since your ancestors, you've had problems keeping my word, keeping my decrees, my commandments, my statutes. And he says, I want you to return to me. And he poses this question in their minds. You ask, this I think in verse 8, you ask, verse, last of verse 7, you ask, how are we to return? Is it possible to rob God is the very next thing he says. He says, you ask, well, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal rob God? Is it possible for a mortal person to... The question the Lord poses to people is an, is an interesting question because it's not like if a person can rob God, they can rob God. A mere mortal takes something that doesn't belong to them, instead belongs to God. David wrote... This about a word falling from his lips that the Lord already knows. He says, my words before he even leaves my lips. And the Lord knows how they're thinking. He's ahead of them. He, 
You know, the scary thing is that he knows how we're thinking. Before we say it, you know, when you say it, you can't take it back. But he also knows if we're thinking about saying it. And it seems like he holds us accountable for that. In our minds, what we're thinking. And he knows what they're thinking. He says, what do you mean? How can we return to you? And he talks about them robbing God. And he says, and you ask, how can we rob you? What have, how, have we, how have we done that? And he says, in tithes and offerings. He knows, he sees, he responds. And the response to their stealing from God is that they've stolen what belongs to him. In tithes and offerings. In verse 9 he says, and the consequence is this. You are under a curse. The whole nation. Now I'm sure not everybody was failing to bring the tenth of their crops. And, and to honor God by bringing to the tabernacle what the Lord wanted. The temple of the Lord. And he says, but the whole nation is suffering because the whole nation is being punished. Because of what is going on that you are robbing me. Deuteronomy 27, 28 is, is uh, just love reading Deuteronomy. And uh, God tells Moses to divide the tribes of Israel into two groups. And one, sec, one, one of the groups is to go up to Mount Gerizim and there to pronounce the blessings of the Lord. And the other group is, go, is supposed to go over to Mount Ebal and there to pronounce the curses. And if you follow what he's saying there and, and what he's saying here about you are cursed, you are under curse, the whole nation is under curse, a curse does not stand alone. And when you read Deuteronomy 27 and 28, he talks about cursed is the man who creates an idol. Cursed is the man who mistreats the needy. And he goes through this list because all of those was a violation of what God told him to do. The curses was not something that God came up with. It was the consequence of them not following the Lord, right? Are you following me? Curses do not stand alone. They're the consequence of people not obeying God. There's a cost to not obeying God. And he's telling them that everything depends on your obedience. Honoring God. Honoring your parents. Honoring the needy. Honoring the weak. Doing justice. Denying justice to somebody was part of the curse. And he goes on, he says, disobedience will not be excused. There's no excuse for disobedience. It will bring terrible consequences. So he says, how do you remedy this situation? You're under curse. How is that curse lifted? Well, verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this says the Lord Almighty. The reason why this is an interesting thing is that when you look up this word in the Hebrew, it means to try or to prove. And this word is always used from God saying, I will test your heart. I will try your heart. In Psalms, many times he says, I will test your heart and your minds. I will examine you. He's actually asking the people, examine me, examine what I'm saying, and see if it's not dependable. Isn't that an interesting challenge that he gives them? He openly says, I want you to test me on this. Prove me on this. Pastor Robert Morris is one of the best preachers, teachers on giving. And on this subject, it's just amazing the, the, the grasp and the ability to explain that 
to his congregation, to the people. I, I recently listened to a podcast where I was amazed at how they handle their church's finances. I never would have thought that they handle their church's finances the way he did. The way they do in this great church, Gateway Church. And they have all these branch churches around there. And each church is organized the same way. They have a lay group of leaders who are not on the payroll of the church that determines the salaries of everybody, including his. Isn't that a, a massive, mega church that a lay group determines everybody's salaries? You know what? We kind of do that here. And I got to thinking about that. Brenda said one time, when we, we, this is our fir- fourth church we pastored, and she said, why do you always make a decision that we get a deduction in what we're being paid? I said, I don't know. Just worked out that way. Because I never said, well, we need this or we need that. I, I heard of a young guy that candidated at a church in another state, and I was a reference for him, and I heard that he went there and told him what he had to have. And I thought, can I call them and withdraw my reference? <laughs> because Robert Morris was saying, if you obey God, God will take care of it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what is there to begin with. You have to trust God and you have to honor God. And this is what Robert Morris says about the tithe. He said the reason why he says bring the whole tithe, if you look at that word bring, it's not give and it's not a word that we usually use, pay our tithes we usually use that word but both of those words do not fit and the reason they do not fit is first of all you don't give something that doesn't belong to you that's Robert Mars I'm trying to give him credit for me understanding this as as good as I do he said you cannot give something that does not belong to you And you cannot pay something like that because it's not a debt. It already belongs to God. It just determines what you do with it. And if you don't bring it, then you steal it. There's no other way to deal with it. There's no other options. It belongs to him. And if we take it to use for our purposes, you know what? I think if we know this and we have trouble following it or have times thinking about it, well, you know what, I just can't afford that tenth this week. I've got all of these things. And you think about, are we really putting more trust in our capacity to manage our finances than God's blessing? It is that kind of a question. And this is the question he's posing to his own people. He says, You've robbed me, but here, here's how you deal, how, how you break the curse. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse of the Lord. And test me. Test me in this. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there would not be room enough to store it. That is a pretty good promise. Amen. Pretty good promise. How many of you remember when there was only a cash operating financial model to have? How many remember where there were not, there were no credit cards? 
Yeah. And even when they first came out with credit cards, you couldn't get one. Because <laughs> you didn't have any credit. We couldn't even buy a 12 by 60 mobile home, and we had a pretty good savings account. They wouldn't sell us that mobile home on payment because we didn't know anybody anything. I thought, well, that's the purpose, right? Is you don't get in debt. And so we had to have this one of the lower moments in my life. My father-in-law had to co-sign with us, which is to me against the Scripture, but I still had to have somebody to violate Scripture. But we, we just operated on cash only. When you went on a vacation, you had to... You had to allot so much for each day, food, travel. We didn't, we didn't have that emergency plastic card in our wallet to say, well, if we run out of money, we can just start using that. And this is what, he's, this is what he says to Deuteronomy in, in 28 when he's telling people, he says, if you trust me on this blessing and curses stuff, if you want to get rid of the curse... Doesn't this sound a little bit like the verse I just read? The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in season, to bless all the work of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. Hallelujah. I like that, not having to borrow. But it's kind of hard to live without borrowing now. <laughs> At least for a house. And that sounds... this this. Sounds familiar to Malachi's record of God's covenant promises. I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations, and he says in Deuteronomy, the, the nations you will lend to nations and borrow from none. But listen to what he said. The nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. It would be showing up in how your conditions are in your nation. People, nations outside will see and say, what is going on there? It's because they're honoring God. They're obeying God. They're serving God. They're being honorable with their tithes and offerings. Now, he mentions bring the first tenth, but he also says in tithes and offerings both. The tithe is the first tenth. Offerings were brought beyond the tithe. The Someone says you're only breaking even with God when you give the tithe that, because that's already his. So you're not really giving anything until you give offerings. And for us, the missionaries we support and the ministries here in town we support, the Save a Life, the Soup Kitchen, you know, Dullam House down in, in uh, Wetumpka, Pete and Angie Spackman, so many ministries we support is because people give beyond their tithes. They give offerings. They give to missions. They give to Impact Girls, Royal Rangers, High Voltage, Speed the Light. BGMC is going to be the focus of the 11 a.m. service. All of these are offerings. I'm, I want to tell you, you cannot, we cannot ever outgive God. The blessing, we're not going to take any of it with us. We're not going to take any of the resources with us. So God calls us to be good stewards of our time, our health, and our resources, our financial resources. Jesus mentioned in the uh, Sermon on the Mount, he talked about when you give alms, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And, and don't make a big show of it. Don't sound the alarm and say, hey, look, I'm helping the poor. I'm helping this situation. You know, we've been on the receiving of that. I'll never forget that the promise of God because 
I was raised, I was raised by parents who taught us giving as far back as I can remember. When we'd get some money from a grandparent in the mail for our birthday, my mom was saying, now, 10 cents out of every dollar goes to the Lord. That's his. And we would have to, we got a little envelope, and we put that dime in there, or we put two dimes in there, but we got $2. It was ingrained in us. It never crossed my mind not to do that. That that was honoring God, that was trusting God, that was giving to him what is already his and, and being faithful to that. But he mentions about giving alms, helping those, helping, being helped. Have you ever been helped? An un, unexpected blessing? We started pastoring way too early. I was only 24 and I should never been pastoring. Should never have been pastor at 24. Didn't know what I was doing, and, and they were okay with that because they were a desperate church, and they needed somebody that they could call pastor and put the name out on the sign. So we both just learned together. But one of the things I wanted to do, I wanted to go to district events, and, and we had a, Jason was, what, three months old when we took that church, and, and uh, it, it, was, uh, it was a walk of faith. <laughs> It was a walk of faith. Some of you know what I'm talking about, a walk of faith. And we was going to go to the district council and, and no credit cards. Remember, this is all, you lay out your cash. This is so much for our room. This is so much for each meal, breakfast, lunch, dinner. And this is why we ate places at like Waffle House. And uh, we just got the cheapest stuff that you could find, cheapest meals. But we were okay. We were going to the district council. We were going to enjoy the services. We were pastoring. We wanted to be involved in that. And, and we started to leave a Waffle House, went up to the cash register that breakfast morning. And uh, the lady says, sir, uh, somebody paid for your breakfast. And I said, who? He says, oh, he's already left. And I said, uh, I didn't recognize anybody. Says they, they just said that that couple over there with that child. I want to pay for their breakfast. And I walked out of there, and I heard it as clear as I can hear it right now. The Lord said to me, "Didn't I say I would take care of you?" And it blew me away. Absolutely stunned me. That all of my calculations, <laughs> all of my plans, and this and this and this, and it was like, I'm going to make sure this works. And God was letting me know, it's good that you plan, but it's me that takes care of you. Don't ever forget that I take care of you. And I think sometimes we need reminding that. We like, we plan all this out, and we got it everything. We got this, and, and I believe in budgets. I believe in personal budget. I believe in church budget. I believe that you have to plan ahead and all of this. But in all that planning, God help us not to trust our planning, but trust him who blesses the plan. And you say, well, that's God. No, that, there's a distinct difference in how we approach this that we just don't do it and say, okay, God will bless me. But it's like when we do it, it says, Lord, it's in your hands, and there's no telling what you will do with what I put in your hands. How far you can take whatever I give you, it's in your hands. And I'd like for the praise team to come back up. I want to share one more scripture with you. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. 
Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. But I have to confess to you that early in my formation of this, from a biblical standpoint, I have to give Carl Strader a lot of credit. I couldn't count the number of times at some points in his messages and in talking to that great church in Lakeland, Florida, he would say he had memorized large sections of Scripture, but Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, he would say, Honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of thy increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses will burst forth with new wine. And he was one of those who taught and reinforced in my mind that if we honor God, he honors us. Friends, there's more than one way to give. And the best way we can give is to give ourselves to him. Is to surrender who we are. He created each of us. Some of us have strengths and some of us have weaknesses. We have a mixture of those, right? Thank God he gave me a counterpart in Brenda she is strong in places that I needed that we, he really put us together she is a calming force and God has just been faithful to us faithful to us would you stand with just am provoked to say thank you Lord but also to say Lord I'm sorry for going through the motions I don't know if I've kind of lost something here and using push pay go on my phone in 15 seconds and for convenience I can give to the church there was something about filling out an envelope and putting it in an offering Lord, I'm sorry for going through the motions. For doing it quick and fast and not even thinking about it. When it's yours. And it's a privilege to honor you, Lord. Lord, may each of us in this room, reminded of our own mortality with losing people in our church and people that we know this week one full life the other had so much life to live we don't understand that but we are reminded that our days are in your hands the best thing we can do is give ourselves to you saying here it is Lord you know the future you know the days allotted to us Take them and make the most out of our lives. Open those floodgates of heaven. And maybe they've been open and we haven't realized we've been basking in the overflow of your blessing and not realize it, Lord. That our health is maybe taken for granted and our 
capacity to do things are taken for granted and we just do want to say this morning Lord we're sorry that we have casually approached you at times lacking a deep sincerity and a deep gratitude for you're the one that causes blessings to flow out over us and over our children and over our grandchildren Lord and there's nothing more we pray for than for our children our grandchildren and beyond to be blessed to be blessed by your presence to be blessed by your power Lord could you just lift your hands with me this morning and and say, Lord, I crave, I long for you, I long for your power to be in full display in my mind, my, my body, my life, and my family. Oh, God, save our families. Save our relatives, Lord. Rescue them from this world. Rescue them from the entanglements of this world, Lord. Break the bondages that may be in their lives off of them. Breakthrough in their minds, oh God. 